welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Apollo Media. And today we have the mailbag. We have a mailbag episode today, so we're going to be taking questions uh, from you guys, the listeners. But before we get into that, Lane Kiffin had himself a historic uh, SEC media day. Uh, Had some zingers, showed up looking like a... A businessman who's been at the hotel bar for about a solid five hours um, uh, kind of took a little shot at Paul Feinbaum. Uh, Jay, did you see uh, any any of this? <laughs> I'm not a big media days guy, but uh, I did see the the look that Kiffin was, was pulling off, like you mentioned, kind of a disheveled businessman type of uh, – vibe and then uh the fact that you know i mean link kiffin's always good for a few sound bites yeah and like I, I i like that you said that because i'm not a big i'm not a big media guy either um or media days guy i mean i think it's interesting i, I do like it's 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 a little bit of an appetizer before you know the college football season really starts uh, getting into it, um, where practices start and things like that. But yeah, Kiffin shows up, disheveled businessman, looking tan as hell. By the way, that guy has he, he had like the Coach O tan, where it's just that southern, um, <laughs> just real red. Um, Actually, I shouldn't say red, that bronze look. But so Kiffin has a couple zingers here. Uh, the one reporter says that he he gets told he looks like Kiffin a lot. And Kiffin comes back with, what's, what's your mom's name? I have to talk. I have to talk to my father. See, ask him some questions. And my immediate thought was, was that Daniel Tosh asking the question? Because. <laughs> I think those two, and I know Tosh has said this before when, when he had his show, but I don't know. Did you get to see the reporter? I didn't know. I couldn't find it. Like, I feel like we need to see what the reporter looks like. Um, but you have that, you have him, uh, a reporter asking to rank boosters in the sec. Um, he kind of pleads the fifth on that, even though he said he'd love to do it. And then, to top it all off, throws a little shot at Paul Feinbaum saying that Paul, uh, every year it's the never ending cycle of oh, is the Alabama dynasty over? And it just gives Saban bulletin board material and <laughs> pisses him off as Kiffin says. And then he takes it out on the other teams in the sec. So really, um, just a great media day by Mr. Lane Kiffin. Um, and actually, Jay, did you see what he said about, um, I guess he took a little bit of heat about um, the transfer portal and it's how it's kind of a disaster, especially with NIL. Yeah. The state of college football is, is a disaster. And I mean, I, I understand that it's hard for coaches to, to change and, and deal with the, uh, you know, the differences in NIL and, and transfer portal and everything that's going on, but uh, <clears throat> life goes on. Yeah. Uh, it's again, it's not a disaster. 
I do think there are programs that probably have a have an advantage with the money they have and things like that. And it's a lot harder to track, um, you know, who is tampering. But the thing is, these things were, these things were going on before and not a whole lot of people were being punished. So now you're going to make it legal. And maybe this gives teams like Ole Miss who are in that second tier, a chance to, uh, rise up because now what they can do is legal. And it is funny coming from, uh, from an old miss coach talking about, uh, money and boosters and tampering because, you know, Ole miss isn't the most innocent of these college football programs. Yeah. <laughs> Ole miss has a little bit of a reputation there, don't they? Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, again, it's Lynn Giffen, whether you agree with him or not, he's always going to be good for a sound bite. So uh, I guess I, I shouldn't be surprised that he kind of dove into that world, but uh, I'm, I'm not reading too much into it. Yeah. Um, so we are going to get in to our mailbag episode. So we're going to start with this. Uh, our good friend, Jeffrey, the Greek. Okay. Who's been on the show before uh, has his own show. Eyes on big. Uh, the Big Ten and the SEC are top-heavy, whereas the Big 12 has no elite team but is competitive from top to bottom. What makes for a better conference? So I'd rather have uh, the the good games week in, week out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, better, I think, is subjective. More entertaining is going to be a, a conference like the Big 12. Right. Uh, in my mind, where... There's always some chaotic games going on. Uh, everybody kind of has a chance. Parody. Parody is what makes uh, for fun football for me. Uh, and, and that's not to say that SEC or Big Ten football is bad by any stretch of the imagination, especially because uh, upsets happen in those conferences all the time. Mm. Uh, but as far as title races going down to the wire to the end of the season, uh, I like I like the Big 12 for that. Yeah, like you said, it it is very subjective. It depends on what you like. Um, I do think the Big Ten and the SEC are very similar in the fact as you have Ohio State and Michigan on one, you have Georgia and Alabama, then you have a Penn State who is like on that a little bit lower right now. LSU uh, from last year is that third team. And then you have a whole lot of you have a you have a whole lot of teams just kind of being there, and then you have your Vanderbilts and you know Northwesterns. But I do think that a lot of people in the southern part of the state uh, like to think that their bottom teams are better than the northern bottom teams and i think it's 50 50 like if the bottom half were to play play the other bottom half i would think maybe one would win one more game i I don't think there's really that much of a difference between the two um but again it's i think it's all it is it's all subjective and 
you know, listen, I know a lot of people don't want to watch Northwestern and Purdue play at noon. Okay. I do. All right. Especially the Purdue team of last year, but like going into this year, it's going to be a little rough, but I mean, I don't know. I just think it's, it is subjective, but I think it can be entertaining, but it's all depends on what you look for. Yeah. Look, and you can nitpick and, and say that something's not good or, mm. you know, you, that you don't enjoy things, but we're definitely not the casual college football fan here no. on, on this podcast. Like we, we watch probably as much of the sport as we can uh, whenever we can. And, and we're not telling you that you have to sit there and enjoy all of the games that we do. But mm. the fact of the matter is that we're going to enjoy a lot of college football and, and that involves some of the games that, you know, others may turn their noses up at. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, I mean, Purdue Northwestern, games like that, that maybe people don't talk about. I mean, we, we love we love uh, games like Iowa, Iowa State. We love games that, you know, some people are the, the rivalry games that aren't necessarily uh, the biggest on the national scene. They're still fun as hell to watch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like yeah, even so, our group of five people, like the the, oh, the group dude. of five to me, it, it's it's awesome to watch. the The Fun Belt, Sun Belt, Fun Belt, it, is one of the more entertaining conferences in the country, and I, I still don't think it's talked about enough in how far they've come. But I would say, going back to Greek's question, what makes what makes for a better conference? If you're talking about better as in enjoyment, it's better with what the Big 12 has because every single game, you don't know what is going to happen. If you want to talk about and actually like put them put them on the bulletin board, okay, who is actually a better conference than you're looking at something like the Big 10 and the SEC. But enjoyment-wise, Enjoyment wise, absolutely, it's it's what the Big Twelve has. Just parity from top to bottom. Yeah, and I'm I'm in agreement with you on that one. Um, let's see here. We got this is from Christopher Joseph uh, at the Bear three one four five. Playoff expansion is inevitable. What do you guys think is the right number of expanded playoff teams, and why? So. We're going to be going to 12. Yeah. Is 12 the number? I think 16 is the number, uh, personally. And that's just because I don't like 12. Uh, too, too much, too much texting and branding, uh, already on this podcast. So I don't, I don't need any more 12s in my life. <laughs> uh, no, but in all seriousness, I, I do think 16 is the number just cause I don't, I, I kind of, don't want the first round buys. I kind of want everybody to just go in and start playing immediately. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think 16 gets you to that number. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some teams in there that aren't going to be able to compete with the top of the top some years. And some years the field's going to be so stacked that it's going to be perfect. Uh, but as more teams move up to uh, the FBS level and, and you know, there's going to be distribution of, of players around or, you know, if we get down the road and, and, the super conference still type happens and, and we could be talking about something completely different anyway. So I say, just go ahead, bump it up to 16 and get games on campus in the playoffs and, and go from there. Yeah. I like 12. 
Okay. I do like 12, but I'm with you where, or I, I think you and I are on the same page here with 12. You're going to have the buys. Okay. But first two rounds need to be a home game. They need to be played on college campuses. Once you get to the final four, then that is where you have your, um, you'll have your, your neutral, neutral sites similar to now where like one semifinal game is uh peach. Another one is, you know, maybe Fiesta or sugar. Um, I'm also a fan uh, since we're just talking about this here. I'm also a fan of the Rose bowl being the national title just, or playing the Rose or playing the national title game at the Rose bowl. Um, and I'm I, on the East I, Coast. I'm on the East Coast. Yeah. So like th- this really hurts me because it's on the other side of the country. Or I, I think or, uh, what do you alternate. think about that? What? I think you have to alternate. Uh, okay. The granddaddy the of them Bowl, all. Yeah, the Rose Bowl is good for one. And I think you go with, uh, I don't know, either. It's got to be sugar. Yeah, I would say sugar. I think you go. I think you go Rose and sugar. So I'm also a fan of Rose and Sugar for the semifinals and then like they did in the old BCS and then have one of the rotations just use that facility for the final game. But I think like Rose and Sugar should be your semifinals, I think, every year. You have one on the East Coast, one on the East, one on the West. Or yeah, like think, you said, or just keep rotating the six. Yeah, and I think rotating the six works. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, I think there's just some issues surrounding the Rose Bowl with the Pac-12 tie-in that could be interesting to see how that shakes out. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, sixteen's my number uh, to go back to the question. So I think we'll get expansion eventually. I don't know how big, uh, but we'll see. We'll keep an eye out for it. So my other question in that 16 is what do you think, what, what's your format for it? Like, I understand like, you know, one will play, uh, you know, one will play 16, but like, how are you going to, how do you factor in the group of five here? Are you just going to take the top 16 teams that are ranked and throw them in there? Um, or are you going to do automatic bids? I think he, I think my my vision for it was always uh, power five teams. He, he, I, I honestly like I'd be okay with going just full uh, conference champions and and include group of five conference champions in that too. Uh, I'd be okay oh. with that, but I I have a feeling that's not going to be the way it shakes out. No. So you do your your power five champions you do the highest ranked group of five and then you go to the top 16 so here's my problem and i think this is where you and i are going to disagree a nine win group of five team i don't believe if i don't believe should get in like if they lost two non-conference games to, you know, say like a five win or a six win team or a seven win team. Like if they're not ranked in the top 20, then I don't believe they should go. And I know, 
I know that's not a popular answer, but yet like Tulane last year, you know, Cincinnati, the Cincinnati's a couple of years ago, the UCFs, those teams all deserve a shot. Like Memphis, I think one year uh, was pretty good. Western Michigan. Yeah, they beat, beat, they beat uh, Penn State, didn't they? Memf- Memphis did not beat Penn State. Penn State rolled oh, okay. Penn State rolled them. They scored like 55 points on them. I figured I'd give you that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, although Memphis did score about 30. So their their <laughs> offense their offense kept it close, but their they're just defense couldn't handle it. Um, but like Western Michigan being 12-0, and 0, like they, have, they didn't lose. They deserve to be in. And that's one where I don't really care what the ranking is. Hey, you're 12-0, and 0, go. Go until you lose. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of some of these group of five teams. If they win their conference, they should go in because that would be so. Uh, let's see, five and five. That's uh, group of five power. So what would be that? Would be ten, right? So you were saying sixteen. That'd be ten. All ten conferences, conference champs, and then six at larges. I think that's one way you can do it. I mean, again, I, I don't think. There's no realistic way that, that that's what happens. So I no. think it's probably the the Power Five winners, uh, top group of five conference winner, and then you fill in with whoever's left. Here's my next. 16. So here's a follow-up. Not a part of what we're – I mean, was not a part of the mailbag, but I, I did see this pop pop up. Should the group of five just have their own national champion? You know, if they're excluded from the uh, the playoff, I think I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And it almost treat it like FCS, or sorry, it, treat it like FBS two, or something like yeah. that. Like again, Division One AA FBS two, where yeah, you you can play them, and you know, even if you want to keep if you want to keep bowl games in the scenario, yeah, that's fine. But maybe they should have their own. Maybe they should have their their um, you know maybe four teams or eight teams and play for because there's no realistic. There's, I mean, what are the chances of even that UCF team that went that went undefeated? What was their actual chance of winning a national title? Not great. No, like even if they lined up against Alabama, like. Um, you know, it, it, it's not going to be good. Although you could make an argument, Cincinnati did take Georgia, like, or at least hung with Georgia a little bit. Granted, Georgia didn't win the national title, but they came pretty damn close. Um, was that that year? That was that year, right? Uh, I thought it was Cincinnati and Bama. Was it was Georgia? It, was it Cincinnati and Bama? I think so. I don't know. Let me check. Doesn't really matter. It yeah, it doesn't really. They didn't win, no. But they did. Hang on, Cincinnati playoff. Let's get this up here. Eh, I guess it was worse than I thought. Yeah, it was Bama. You're right. It was Bama. Twenty-seven. They lost twenty-seven to six. So, I guess it wasn't really in doubt. I mean, it was seven. The closest it was, it was seventeen three at halftime. Seventeen six in the third. Um, and then Bama just pulled away at the end. So, and that was like your best shot. That was the best shot any team probably would have had. Um, but who knows? I don't know. I, 
I don't I don't hate the F or sorry, the group of five having their own national title. Take the take the conference. That's the one where you can take the conference champions and then or maybe put it to six teams, take the conference champions, and then maybe a, a wild card, and then um they'll have have a two buys or something. You know? I don't know, but I don't know. Are you sorry? Were you in favor of the group of five having their own? Uh, I mean, again, if they're excluded, then I don't see why you wouldn't. Right. Okay. Um, this next one here, let me pull this up here. So this one, oh, this one comes from Mike, uh, Mike Beniscalco. Uh, Mike asks, uh, who's your dark horse team to make the playoff this season? So not, not the uh, typical people who is a dark horse team. Yeah. And I, I think I've already said it at some point, just because I think the nature of the conference that they're in uh, and they have made the playoff before. So maybe it disqualifies them from being a dark horse, but Washington, I think Washington is a, is an interesting dark horse as a team that can make it out of the pac 12 and, and, and possibly be uh, a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're dark horse cause I know they're going to be a top 10 team, but Florida state, I, I think Florida state is going to, and I, I know that's kind of a sexy answer right now with a lot of people, but Florida state is, I think they're going to, they're going, to, the only team that's really going to challenge them, I think is going to be Clemson. And, think they will beat them. Not sure where that game is going to be played this year, but I think Florida State's better than Clemson. And I just with, again, I hate to knock the ACC, but I think it's a little bit of an easier path. Here's the problem with, with Florida State, though. They have to play LSU to begin the year. And, um, again, I don't think Florida's going to be great, but you're, you're also playing uh, another Power 5 team. So I do give Florida State some credit there that their their non their non conference is pretty uh, pretty good and if they go eleven and one I think they're a shoe in they're a yeah. shoe in for, for the like there's no way they're going to be left out so I they do also love get, uh, they also get a Southern Miss team that's kind of trending up so it, that's yeah that's another one Southern, Southern Miss isn't bad like that's that's a solid they um, they should handle them but it's mm-hmm. it's at it, least not just kind of a pushover game. Exactly. There's there's a lot worse teams that you can play, uh, be, you know, besides Southern Miss. Um, and then here's another one from Mike. Uh, which quarterback do you think gets drafted first next season? So we're not big NFL an, uh, analysis, but I think it's pretty. It's going to be Caleb Williams, right? Yeah, I think Caleb Williams. Uh, the only other name that I've seen kicked around is Drake May. That could be mm-hmm. one of those guys that gets taken off the board early. Uh, but it seems like those two are, are pretty much one, two. Yeah, I'm going to go Caleb Williams. I think Drake May is good, uh, but I, I do like I do like um, Caleb Williams there. I think he is going to be the solidified uh, first round pick. Um, let's see. This one comes from uh, Tim Carr. Which team do you blame the most for the mess of conference realignments? Which so this is an unhinged question, but 
I blame Ooh. Texas. You say Texas? Yeah. And, well, and here's why. Well, well, here's this is funny because his next uh, the next bubble he sent me was I blame Texas. So <laughs> so tell me why Texas. And this is going to sound like sour grapes from an A and M fan uh, in a lot of ways, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, a lot of the reason that Texas or that conference realignment, the, the round in, in 2011 got kicked off was because of the Longhorn network and essentially an unequal sharing of rights in the big 12 conference. Uh, Nebraska immediately decided that they wanted to be out of there and, and Colorado followed suit. Uh, and then, <laughs> Texas starts talking with the Pac-12 about conference realignment, which that's a, a crazy scenario if that would have happened. Uh, I think we may be talking about things a little bit differently here, but uh, A&M a little bit unsatisfied with being negotiated about uh, in the Pac-12 by Texas uh, decides to go to the SEC. That's a big reason why A&M decided to have their talks with the SEC. Uh, Mizzou goes to the SEC. Uh, so in a lot of ways, this kind of trickle-down effect can be seen from uh, Texas and the Big 12 network. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the Big 10 looks to expand with Maryland and Rutgers uh, like they do if the other conferences weren't starting to pick up teams. Right. right? And then you have Utah leaving the Mountain West. Uh, the Big East essentially collapses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of this – and. There probably would have been realignment eventually anyway, but I think the the real catalyst for it was, in a lot of ways, the Longhorn Network in Texas. I don't think I have anything to add to that because I, I think that was very well put. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, this is this all started, what, uh, 12 years ago? Yep, 2009, 2010, roughly. Something like that, 2009, 2011, something like that. Um. So here's from Zach Cornell. Zach Cornell asks, "Who are who's your first team out at the end of the year? Who is the first team out?" Oh, because they're still in the I four. Think, yeah, man. So I think that we're gonna have some teams that are uh, really good this year and may win some games that allow there to be. Uh, Four definitive teams that that are all deserving of a place. Uh, I think by nature of Georgia just being the better team, I think Alabama is going to be the first team left out. I think they're going to be in the five spot. Yep. Um, I immediately thought I immediately thought Alabama, um, but I'm going to go with this. I have a feeling. I'm a, Jay. I'm a, I'm a sick person. Okay. This is this is what I'm feeling is going to happen. I want you to picture this. Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all go 11 and 1. And Penn State's sitting at 5. <laughs> You're doing this to yourself, huh? Oh my god. I I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Like yeah. I it that it's I I I can see it happening. Again, for that to happen, uh, Penn State would have to knock off either uh, Ohio State in the Horseshoe or uh, Michigan at home. I think they they have the best chance to beat these teams, especially Michigan for the first time in three years. They haven't beaten Michigan in three years. I think this is the best team Penn State has had against Ohio State in a 
very long in, since probably 2017 where the JT Barrett went God mode in the fourth quarter and just the wheels just fell off the wagon. Um, but no, I, I can see it happening. I could see Penn state being left out uh, as the three teams are 11 and one. Yeah. And I will, I don't know what I would do with myself. I would just put my head down I'm, and cry. I'm picturing A&M getting left out. Uh, Going eleven and one with LSU also going eleven and one and Bama also going eleven and one, and thinking about how much pain that would cause me. And uh, yeah, think about that. Yeah, it's not fun. No, no, it's not. Um, this one comes from uh, Aaron Aaron Payne, a longtime listener. There, um, is this Lee Corso's last ride? I, I think I've been saying it's Lee Corso's last ride for a while now, so I, I'd be surprised. Uh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't, uh, but man, just thankful for all the memories from that Mm -hmm. guy. I mean, it's just, uh, such a, such a big part of my college football experience. And I mean, as long as I've been watching college football, Lee Corso has been a part of the experience. So it's, uh, I I don't want to think about it. I just want to say that I'm grateful for, for all the memories that Lee Corso has given us. Okay. Um, we got a couple others here. Um, let's see here. Uh, Chris Backhurst, how do you think UT, the real UT, Hook'em, will do in the SEC? <laughs> I didn't say that. I, again, I'm just reading this. Please don't be mad at me. I, Chris uh, is a good dude. I like Chris. Okay. <laughs> um, I know Chris. So. <laughs> you know Chris. So how do you think Texas is going to do uh, first year in the SEC? Do we we have their schedule, correct? We do. Uh, let's let's pull uh, this up here. Texas. I don't football's... think we have the dates, but we do have the schedule. Okay, so Texas football schedule twenty twenty four. Let's start off with non conference. They go to the big house. Yeah, it, and listen, Michigan. I, I know Texas has been recruiting well. Michigan has been recruiting well also, and this is also kind of a, not not a rivalry, but like Michigan and Texas have met before. Like they've had some like memorable games with each other, especially I think in it was the oh, the two thousand five Rose Bowl. Yeah, I was uh, say, oh, where Matt Brown basically campaigned for Texas to get to the Rose Bowl. Yep, they do it, uh, and that was kind of the launch pad for Texas winning the national title the next year. Yep, exactly. Um, so Colorado State win, um, Michigan. That's that's a toss up. I'm going to say that's a toss-up game. I think Michigan's going to have the edge there. Uh, UTSA, frisky, but, you know, Texas should win. Um, They'll beat ULM. So we got three right there. And then you got, you know, again, a toss-up in the Red River. So this this is where I think things get interesting. Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky. Mississippi State. One, two, three. Those four games, I think, are your most interesting matchups there. And again, this is a year away. We don't know how Texas is going to look like this year. Yeah, let alone in 2024. But I look at that for them. Uh, Arkansas is going to have turnover because K.J. Jefferson's gone. Uh, I think Kentucky's going to go back to being Kentucky. Um, unless... But again, they're gonna they're not gonna have um oh who's the quarterback? Oh my god, I met his family last year. Quinn Ewers. 
or uh, not Kentucky. No, no, no. Who, uh, was NC, who was NC State's quarterback last year? Oh my God, uh, Leary. Leary, Leary. I, I met. A, oh man, uh, my buddies from Jersey are going to be so mad at me because I met Leary's family last year. Um, but yeah, Leary's at Kentucky. I think that it's going to keep them competitive this year. Um, he'll be gone. So again, quarterback change. So you're going to have Arkansas and Kentucky with quarterback changes. Uh, Mississippi State's a mystery. Um, let's see. It, Florida, they might be better. And then you have, I'm going to say, a win against Vanderbilt and then A&M. And, one, two, Georgia, I'm counting as a loss. I think Texas can go either 10 and two, but I'm going to say this is going to be a safe pick. I'm going to say Texas goes nine and three. And I think that's maybe possibly a little optimistic. Yeah. Uh, nine and three, I think is doable. Obviously I think, uh, I think Arkansas is going to be rough, uh, at Arkansas. I think a lot of, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Arkansas fans have that one circled. If I'm being honest, yeah. uh, Michigan, I think is a loss. Georgia, I think, is a loss. I'm going to be biased here and say that A&M wins. Uh, so I, I have Texas going 8-4. and four. Okay. Um, I think, did you have Oklahoma loss too? Uh, I actually have Texas winning that one, losing to Arkansas. Okay. I, I like that. So I think they're going to lose. The, I, I think A&M is going to kind of turn it around this year. And it's at Kyle Field. That place is going to be absolutely bananas. It's going to be unreal. Harder ticket to get than Taylor Swift. Harder ticket um, to get than Taylor Swift. So A&M loss, Georgia loss, Michigan loss. And then, see, I think they beat Arkansas, even though it's going to be tough. But yet, they can very well lose one of those other games and go 8-4. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a little optimistic here and I'm going to say nine and three. I'm going to say they, they win the red river. Um, so that brings us to our, our, our coworker. Yeah. Our coworker, uh, Stoney. So Stoney asks, why does Mississippi state consistently get picked by media to finish last in the sec? They're not exciting. They're not. Uh, oh, they're not exciting. That's the word you're going to use. Well, look when you, when you look at Mississippi State. Okay, it's just not. It's not the brand. It doesn't have the flash. With Mike Leach, there was a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. But you you look at the Bulldogs, and it's it's Ole Miss has Lane Kiffin, right? There's you look at Mississippi State, and it's just there's a lot of things that people overlook. And I'm not saying that they're correct to do so. I think Mississippi State's always kind of one of those tough scrappy teams uh but as for why they get overlooked it's because they're never going to be the big nil team right they're never going to be the you know hundred thousand people in the stadium because it's it's a smaller stadium right uh they generally aren't recruiting at the same level as as a alabama or uh lsu or a, a florida or, or any of these teams but it's like and again, like I don't think it's fair to always pick them last, but the SEC West is tough, and you have to pick somebody last, right? And it's it's uh, I mean, generally from a I think from a money standpoint, Mississippi State probably in the SEC West is getting the least amount of money in. 
Yeah. And, you know, Stoney says last in the SEC. I don't think they're consistently last in the SEC. Um, because I think last Vanderbilt, in the SEC West. Yeah. Yeah. Last in the SEC West, I can definitely see because, you know, Vanderbilt and Missouri exist. Um, and, and I think also you have to think of some of these other teams at the bottom of the SEC the last couple of years or, or historically at the bottom of the SEC were decent. Kentucky w- was a decent team. They were a seven, eight win team. Um, had a really good year in 2018. Um, you know, Arkansas in 2019, like, you know, KJ Jefferson burst onto the scene was a little bit better. They don't have the brand like LSU and Alabama and Auburn and AM do. Okay. Um, I don't think they don't recruit at a higher level. I think this year, I think there's just too much. I think there's some turnover here. Um, let me see. Let's take a look at some. Let's take a look at, at Mississippi State, at their returning production. Um, you know, let's see. I mean, oh, well, last year they had a pretty – last year they were predicted to do decently well, but – I think defensively, I think a lot of teams tuned them out, especially when Leach got there. I think they thought defensively this team isn't great. Um, And I think they're also kind of – they work the portal, which I think is always a little bit of a gamble. Um, And I think like you said, they don't – maybe just don't have the brand like some of these other teams do. Um, Does not help that Arkansas – Arkansas was doing better. yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have a clear answer, but I just think continuous turnover on offense and not having a good defense um, yeah. doesn't help them. And then brand wise, they're not like the other teams. They're they're Arkansas level, and Arkansas hat was um, a little fun to watch the last couple of years. So I think that's I think that's our answer there. Yeah, it's just I mean. It's not really fair to Mississippi State, but that's no. uh, just kind of the nature of the beast. And and of course they'll jump up and surprise a bunch of teams. This oh year yeah, because of that. And, and that's the thing, like Mississippi State, like I think that one year they went six and six. Um, They're a little disappointing after returning a bunch, um, but you know this year I think it's going to be rough just because there's no leech. You have an interim coach. Um, it, it's I don't know. It's I think that offense is going to be fine though. Yeah, I defensively. We'll see. I mean, I'm not it's sure. it's just and it's tough. Like you know, when 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 things are a little bit when there's a lot of turnover, uh, you're kind of guessing. So who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I have one more question, and this is from me. Okay, so yes, I put my own. I put a. Uh, one of my own questions in the mailbag because I do think it's a popular or it's a conversation I had. I wanted to have for a, lo- a long time. And Jay, I'm going to start, I'm going to ask you first, what is relevant in college football? That name, that saying gets brought up a lot. What is relevant? That team's not relevant. They haven't been relevant. Jay, for you, what is relevant in college football? I, I think they're all relevant because I watch all the games. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, 
I guess pushing uh, pushing for conference titles, I think, is is relevant. Uh, at least being in contention for conference titles, uh, floating around near the upper echelon of your conference, and uh, I, think, I think that's probably what the casual or the specific observer of, of college football probably thinks of as relevant. Because I mean, relevant is such a nebulous word, and you're going to tie it into to college football when a lot of college football is regional anyway. Like mm-hmm. a team may not be relevant to you just because they're in a different part of the country. Exactly. So it's, I've always thought that the use of relevant in college football is, is a bit off base. There's no reason to use the word. Uh, but for me, if, if I'm trying to guess what other people are saying by relevant, I would say it's con- contention for conference titles. Okay. And I, I say this, I ask this because, you know, I saw people saying Michigan isn't relevant right now, which I'm like, what? Like, what I do think you mean? There's another, there's another step of relevance too. And that's national brand in yeah. uh, recruiting. I think yeah. in recruiting, because even if, you know, teams aren't developing their players, if they're getting good recruits in, that's still relevant, right? Cause you're keeping the big schools from getting them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, but Rele- Michigan is, Definitely relevant. Yeah, two playoff appearances last two years. So, but uh, I see I that from I see that from the the Georgia people. But again, they can say that because they're on the they're on the top of the mountain. Yeah, it's it's, and I always think relevant is: Are you competing for conference titles? Are you? I think relevancy is top fifteen teams and below. If you're in the consistently in the top 15, you are a relevant power in college football because I think the the NFL crowd try, you know, has nothing to do on Saturday and they watch college football and you know, they see, oh, well that team goes, you know, they they only have nine they they only win nine games. Like that's they don't, you know, they don't make the playoff. Um, you know, they're, they're not relevant in winning a championship. Well, okay. They may not be necessarily close to that championship, but you know, nine and three is going to put you 17th in the country, 18th in the country. And for 90% of the college football world, nine wins is a good year, you know? Um, so I always look at relevancy is, are you in the top 15? Are you competing for conference championships? Um, because listen, there was a good stretch that I think Wisconsin was extremely relevant in college football. Absolutely. Extreme. Like that stretch they went on in the 2000s, um, you know, probably late, late 2000s to, uh, you know, 2016, 2017, 18-ish, you know, they were extremely relevant, top 10 every year, only losing one or two games. But if you ask anyone else, maybe outside of Big Ten country or someone like yourself, Jay, oh, they don't even think about Wisconsin. You know, I'll say this, in the Big Ten, people don't really think about Washington that much. You know, and right now. They were now, a playoff team, though. They are. 
you, you mentioned them as a dark horse. I, I, I agree with that. I think they definitely can do that if they knock off USC, which they're very capable of doing. Um, you know, we don't think about that. But do you know who Big Ten people immediately think of, though, if they're good? USC. If USC has 10 wins, the whole country thinks they're relevant. If Washington gets 10 wins, and I hate to say this, and I don't believe this, but you know what I'm going to say next. If Washington's leading the Pac-12, or let's say Utah, with 10 wins, everyone's going to say, oh, the Pac-12's down. Well, no, they just, USC's down, this team's up. Um, I don't know. I always feel the relevant thing. Like, if someone starts saying, oh, yo, well, that team's not relevant. Um, you know, so Jay, in your definition of the world, word, is Notre Dame a team that's always going to be relevant no matter what? Yeah, just from a brand perspective and and uh, what they are as as a, as as a piece of college football, they'll always be relevant. They're the Dallas Cowboys. If you're gonna have, if you know, if you're NFL people listening to this show, they're Dallas Cowboys. No matter if they're bad, good, or in between, they're always going to be talked about. No, no matter what, um, you know. But I think a lot of the times we have this. This, a lot of fans have this all or nothing aspect to it. And we, I think there's definitely shades of gray and there's definitely, it's a spectrum of relevancy. Okay. I don't know. I wanted to kind of throw that out there because I, yeah. I see that term relevant. You're not relevant. Well, man, you're a top 10 team. Yeah. You're definitely yeah. relevant. Um, you know, so Jay, that was pretty good. First yeah, mail, ba- first go. mailbag of the year. Um, we will be back, uh, next Tuesday with a full fledged episode and we're thinking about getting some guests in the works. So you'll have to tune in and see, uh, keep following us, um, at, uh, the GB coach on Twitter and get back coach on Instagram. Uh, our virtual tour, uh, is thriving right now. Um, we are now in the state of New York for our virtual tour. We're going to hit all those New England states this week into next week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So from all of us at the Get Back Coach, have a great week.